You know, God's not, he's not playing games with us. He's giving us a principle for a reason. It's accomplishing something in the people of, of Israel. And, and what were the first fruits? And we, and we talked about it from a point of view of an agricultural society. It was the best animals, right? It was, it was their prized ram. It was, it was the last bull you'd ever want to take away and slaughter. It's the bull you'd want to breed to make your herd better. But God said, if you give me that best bull, if you give me that best ram, I will more than supply for you with the 90% that's left over. I will take care of you with everything that's left over if you will just give me your first and your best. And you remember we talked about, you know, me growing up having that big garden and you, you have the big garden, you get all the food in and you get the, the carrots and, the, and everything and the turnips and everything stored away in the root cellar and you go through the whole winter and you're eating out of that root cellar and then you go through the whole spring planting and you're still eating out of that root cellar and then you know, you're getting to the, the end of the summer and the, and the new vegetables are coming out and you're still pulling those limp, soggy carrots out of the back of the root cellar and you're looking at those fresh you know, succulent carrots and lettuce in the garden and you're, you're pulling those old rutabagas out of the back and they're kind of spongy and the, the potatoes are growing eyes. And, uh, and God is, and you're thinking, it'd be so great to have that first harvest of fresh fruit. And God says, no, that first harvest is for me. Give me your first and best and I will more than supply for you all through the rest of the year. And so we, we just thought about how, how that sort of affects us in our life and, and what that might look like to give God our first and best. And I was thinking about it today and I was thinking about um, you know, the pointy bite of a pizza, right? You know, you get, that, you get that pizza hot and fresh pizza and there's that pointy bite and you think, that's the bite I want right at the point there. It's so tasty. And sometimes when we come to God, it's like, well, you get the crust, right? Like I'll eat the rest of the pizza and then God, you know, yeah, I'll give you some pizza there at the end. There's that crust, you know, or the middle of a burger. You get that big juicy burger and there's that middle bite in the burger. You know, Wendy calls it the pickle bite. You eat all the way around the outside to get to the pickle bite in the middle because that's the best. You know, and so we sometimes we want, we see that burger, we just can't resist. We start eating that burger and then we think, oh yeah, we got to give something to God. And so God gets, you know, he gets the crust and the crumbs kind of left over on the plate. You know, or the classic example is the bag of chips, right? You open up a bag of chips and you get those nice, fluffy, big, whole chips at the top of the bag and you're eating those ba- the bag of chips and then, you know, somebody's like, oh, you know, can you, can you share your chips? Oh, yeah, here, you know, I'm almost done. But, you know, you got all those crumbs at the very bottom, <laughs> you know. You know, or it's the, you know, you, you can just, you can, I'm just kind of coming up with ideas here. Of what God, God's trying to paint a picture here of how we're supposed to respond to him. You know, there's the turkey dinner at Christmas, but then there's the leftover casserole like a week later, right? Like, you know, what's the first and the best? And so that's the idea of first fruits that God is calling us to give. And I left you with a bit of homework, if you remember, this principle of first fruits. It was introduced so early in the life of God's people, right at the very beginning. And it was reinforced in the Proverbs and the Prophets. And the Apostle Paul says that these things that were taught that happened to Israel, they happened and they were taught for our instruction. And so it's for us to learn from this principle of first fruit what God intended. What is he teaching us? And what would the first and the best look like for us today in all the areas of our life? And what would he be accomplishing? And I left you to think about the the principle of first fruits and whether at the start of a new year, and here's where we left it, at the start of a new year, could the first and the best for God might accomplish something like this for us as Christians? And And I made this statement of sort of like a New Year's resolution, what God might, what we might want God to accomplish in our life. And this is what I said. I said, as Christians, we would want to glorify God more and ourselves less. And we want to trust God more and trust ourselves less. 
And we want to see the kingdom of God advance far more than we see our own kingdoms advance this year. And we want to see people near to us, and by near that could be family or in our town or near to us in our demographic. We want to see the people near to us ministered to and not neglected. And we want what we do to reflect what God desires, not what we desire. And we want to loosen our grasp on the world and fix our affections more firmly in God. And I just looked at that statement and I said, if, if you got to the end of the year and that stuff happened, that would be a good year for a Christian, right? You would have had a good Christian year if those things happened in your life. And I think this principle of first fruits that God gave us could really help us accomplish all of that and more because God is never just doing one thing. He's always doing a hundred things. And I think this one principle could do hundreds of things in our life. So how could it apply to us? And I'll, I'll get us started and maybe you guys can chip in with some other ideas. But how could this principle of first fruits then apply to us in our life? And I started thinking about that and I started thinking about our time. What if God got the first and the best part of our day, whether that's morning or night to you? Okay, so so Wendy is not a morning person. I'm a morning person. She's a night person. I'm not a night person. The best part of my day is in the morning. The best part of her day is in the evening or at night. And so I'm not saying you have to give the first of the day if the first of the day isn't your best. But what if you gave God the best of your time? Not the leftover time, but the best of your time. Or if you think about it in a week and you think, oh, I know the church needs some help with that, or they've asked for volunteers at Shepherd's Table, but that's Friday night and I've got all this stuff going on through the week. So what I'll do is I'll do all my stuff through the week, and if it gets to be 4.30 on Friday night and I still have some time left, then I'll go help with Shepherd's Table. You know, what if instead God got the first of your time and you said, I'm going to do Shepherd's Table and everything else in my schedule revolves around the fact that I'm going to serve God this week? What if God got the first of your time rather than the leftover time? What if he got the best of your time rather than your, your worst time, right? When I get up in the morning, I have to pray and I have to read, you know, my Bible in the morning because I can't read my Bible and pray at 1030 at night. Once 10 o'clock comes, I'm virtually asleep, okay? Like I'm done. There's no sense even talking to me after 10 o'clock because I'm finished, you know? And if any of you guys have had Wendy and I over for dinner or anything like that, you know that we are 9 o'clock people. Like at 9 o'clock is the polite time to go home. Lester's know what we're talking about because they're 9 o'clock people too. You know, we're not going to be there till 1130 at night. But that's the way it is. You give God your first and your best of your time. And so just think about that. What if the best of your time was given to God? Or your attention, right? Sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'm late for work. I'm going to eat some breakfast, get in the car. I'll, I'll pray on the way. You know, I'm driving anyway. I'll just pray while I'm driving. And that's good. I'm glad you pray while you're driving. You know, it's good. Keep us safe on the roads. I'm not going to say anything obvious. Um, the, uh, but you should pray while you're driving. But, but is that the best of your attention, right? Like, are you really paying attention to God when you're driving and trying to pray while you're driving? Or do you set aside time where you say, God, you got my full attention, right? For the next hour, I'm just going to be in your word. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to sit silently. I'm going to listen. God, you've got my full attention. You've got the best of my attention right now, the first and best of my attention, and give that to God, right? And, and, and that God, just make sure that God isn't getting your leftover attention. The first fruits would be God getting the first and best of your attention, not what's left over. You know, not having the Bible open on your lap while you're watching TV or, you know, something like that. But just setting aside that time of your attention for God. 
And then energy or effort, I think of it this way. It's sort of like time, but this is a little bit different. The same with energy. Not the leftovers, but the first and best energy that you have, right? Not sort of drag yourself into Sunday school uh, because you're up until 1 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night, um, you know, or drag yourself to a ministry meeting because it's the last thing you want to be at. But you come into ministry and you come into your time with God with energy and attention and, and enthusiasm, and, and God gets your best energy. And I had another one here that I forgot to put up there, but I'll talk about it. It's your best attitude, right? So that, so that time at church and time in ministry and time with fellow believers is not your leftover attitude, it's not the worst of your attitude, but it's the first and best of your attitude. So you come into everything that you're doing with God with this great attitude, with this enthusiasm, and with this joy and with this celebration, so that God is getting the first and best of your attitude as well. And so those were just, those were just some ideas where I thought, how does, how does this, what is God telling us about this principle of first fruits? And then think about how if we applied that first and best in our life, how it might impact our relationship with God and how it might impact what we bring to ministry and how it might impact, you know, what the world would perceive of, of Lakeside Church. If everybody here was bringing their first and best to everything that we did for God, what would our ministries be like in this community, right? What would we be saying to the world about the glory of God and how much we love him and how much we pour into our God? And then I started to think about specifics outside of sort of general categories like that. I started to think, how would you apply this to your life? in terms of, like for students, and, and a lot of the, the students have, have taken off for their, their class time, but, but you think of your homework or your study time. So you're, you're sitting down to do a couple hours of math homework, which is like hilarious, right? Like kids do that. But anyway, I hear some of them do. Um, but you're sitting down to do two hours of math homework. Take the first 12 minutes and read your Bible, right? In 12 minutes, you can read a whole chapter and underline a verse that teaches you something in 12 minutes. Right? What if you started your homework time or you started any of your work time where you're going to sit down and do an hour of something or two hours of something and you gave the first and best of that time to God beforehand? Right? And then I thought, what about even music or TV? You know, before you queue up your Netflix or before you queue up your whatever and you're going to plan to watch a two-hour movie, what if you either listened to a podcast or watched a video that said something about God and glorified Him first before you flipped on the Netflix or flipped on the TV or sat down for an evening of watching Survivor or whatever it is that you do, right? Just give God that first of your time or just started to think that way. Or maybe you're a book reader and you've got this big book you've been waiting to get into and you're just going to camp out on the couch all day and read this, you know, 30-chapter book. What if you read three chapters of the Bible before you read 30 chapters of nonfiction, right? Or, Or fiction, and, th- and this is just what I was starting to think about, is how would first fruit start to put itself into our life? And now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you know, I'm, that, that this is some sort of pharisaical thing. This is what the Jews got in trouble for, and Jesus rebuked them for this. And, you know, Paul, isn't that exactly what Jesus warned about? And, and this is the verse that gave me the idea. It's Matthew 23, 23, and that's probably the one you're thinking of, because, because Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. In other words, they're they're doing what I'm doing. They're tithing all their spices even, individually. And he says, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And you say, yeah, Paul, what are you talking about tithing and first fruits? We're not supposed to give the first thing of everything to God like that. Jesus says we're supposed to just sort of this general love everybody thing. But look what he keeps saying, though. You've got to keep reading. He says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In other words, he says, yeah, don't stop tithing, Pharisees. 
That's good. I'm glad you are so conscientious to be giving to God the first and best, even of your spices. You should be giving God the first and best of every area of your life. You should be doing those things without neglecting the love and the justice and the mercy. And so Jesus is not doing away with the tithe. Jesus is not doing away with first fruits. Jesus is saying first fruits is something you should be doing, but don't get so hung up on first fruits, first fruits that you neglect the other. And so, so when, I say, when I say this, I know I, I, I'm not saying that you're literally going to you know, read three chapters of the Bible before you read 27 chapters of a fiction book. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm putting this idea out here for us to think about of what would it look like in our lives, even if we did one of these things, just as a practice, just to get into our heart what it would mean to give God something first and best before we serve ourselves, right? Before we fill ourselves up with what it is we want in our day, we give God the first and best of that thing in our day. And Jesus affirms it. He says, you ought to do those things without neglecting the others. He affirms the idea of first fruits. He affirms the Pharisees and their desire to give the first and best to God. But he says, don't neglect the law and justice and mercy and faithfulness. So I'm not promoting some sort of strict monastic lifestyle. I'm not suggesting that you need to actually tithe on every single activity of every day. And I know you're not going to start doing that, but I want us to think about what that would look like and how it would apply to our life to give God, lives to give God the first and the best. If we just studied the Bible for 12 minutes before we did two hours of work, if we just read three chapters of the Bible before we read another book to entertain us, if we just spent 10 minutes in prayer for every 90 minutes of TV we watched, if we just listened to some Christian music before we, you know, flipped on the Beyonce or snoop dog or snoop lion or whatever he calls himself now i don't know <laughs> you know like if we just thought you know if we just if we just put god first in these areas of our life if we gave him the first of our attention and the first and best of our energy if we gave him the first and best of our day and the first and best of our week then there would be blessing poured out on us right and there's this verse in proverbs which a lot of the prosperity people go to and it doesn't mean exactly what it sounds like it means, but it's Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, and it's not up there, so don't look for it. Um, it's Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, Honor the Lord, and this is Proverbs, this is a wisdom book, so this is wisdom. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits, which is the best part of all, of you, all you produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And when I read that, and I read it in a New Covenant context, I read that of give God your first and your best, and then he will pour out blessing on you. Give God the first of what you have, and he will pour out blessing. You will be blessed. He will accomplish something in your life. Because God is not giving us this principle of first fruits for no reason. He's giving us the principle of first fruits because it's good for us. It's wisdom. It's wise. It's good. And so what is it that he could be accomplishing with this in our lives. So we sort of move from this idea of application of first fruits to what could it be that God is accomplishing? If we pursued that, what would happen for us and for the kingdom of God? And every single one of these points is a sermon in and of themselves, but I'm just going to go right to the application so that we can get to the next series. The first one is that if we did this, we'd be able to do that thing of glorifying God more and ourselves less. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and all those who dwell therein. In other words, we would honor the right of God to everything that he owns in our life. God owns it all anyway. He owns it all. And so by giving him back the first and the best, then we are glorifying him and we are honoring his right to everything that he owns. 
He owns the world and everything in it. And the real Christian life is actually about the other 90% of our time, right? That's why we preach like maybe once on this tithe or first fruits idea, and we preach 51 times on the rest of your life. Because the Christian life is really about the 90% and how we glorify God in all that we do. But God just asks us for this first and best, this 10% of our money, of our time, of our life, to glorify him. It's all God. So what we do with it all is all about God's glory. But today we're just talking about that first portion. And when we give that first portion, it trains us for the other 90%. It trains us for the rest of our life. When we glorify God with that first and best, it trains us on how to glorify God in everything else. And so God would be glorified more and we would be glorified less if we practiced first fruits. And so I the first thing that God uses the principle of first fruits for is to make his own name great and put our glory in its right place. It reminds us time and time again that God comes first and we worship him. Secondly, what could it be accomplishing? To trust God more and ourselves less in 2015. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Right? So he says here, Be content with what you have. Hold on to money loosely. Keep your life free from this love of money. Because... If we do that and we trust God by giving him our first and our best and not worrying about the 90% that's left and whether we can get by, then we can say confidently, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear. And so this, this principle of first fruits, what is God doing with it in our lives? What can he do with this principle in our lives? He can use the habit of the first and the best to teach us to trust in God, to be able to let go of that first and best and still see that he will supply abundantly in what's left. And so we would learn bit by bit to trust God more. That's what the principle of first and best is doing. Thirdly, to see the kingdom of God advance far more than our own kingdoms do. This is a, and it is a neat one. And, and Paul talks about this in Philippians 4.17. Philippians 4.17, Paul is, is talking about the gifts uh, that are being given uh, for his ministry and for the, for the kingdom and the gospel to go forward. And he says, it's not that I seek the gift. It's, like, it's not that I want your money, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And so there's this principle here that God is using the first fruits. He's using the first and the best of what people give to the kingdom and for the ministry of his word so that the fruit, in other words, the gospel going forth and the, the spiritual maturity that's happening in the churches and the evangelism that's taking place and the, the needs that are being met in the community is the fruit that increases to the credit, to your credit, to the credit of those who have given their first fruits. So as you give, and as you give your first and your best to the ministry and to the kingdom of God, Paul says that there is this credit that increases, or there's fruit that increases, but it increases to your credit. God gives you credit for that. Because the kingdom of God advances more than your own kingdoms do. We give up a little bit of advancing our kingdom in order to see God's kingdom advance. And so that's, that's what's happening. We give up 10% of our security. If we were to look at the tithe, we give up 10% of our security or 10% of our entertainment or 10% of the toys we could buy in order to have God get 100% of what he needs to move the kingdom forward. That's an awesome deal. We give up 10% of our entertainment or 10% of our toys or 10% of our security in order to see God get 100% of what he needs for his kingdom and the gospel. And God doesn't say your kingdoms can't advance. In fact, he's saying that they're more likely to advance if you put my kingdom first, 
right? What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so the fourth thing that God uses first fruits for, God uses our first and our best for his kingdom to advance and stay rightly positioned ahead of our own kingdoms so that we don't value building up our own kingdoms more than we value seeing God's kingdom advance. And Halliburton needs that. Fifthly, to see people near us, ministered to and not neglected, to see people cared for. James talks about it in this sense. If you go to James 2, 15 to 16, he would say, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Right? James is saying, unless you give him what he needs, then, then there's no sense saying, oh, you know, go and be warm and I hope you're safe and I'll pray for you. Yeah, well, what I need is groceries more than prayers at this point, Right? And so James says that in this community, this Christian community, that if people near us are going to be cared for and not neglected, then this principle of first fruits could really make that happen. Because if we were giving our first and our best to the kingdom of God and to see the needs of the community met and those who are in need in our own church, if we are giving our first and our best to the kingdom, then those people would be cared for. And they would have the groceries and they would have the warmth and they would have the firewood or the oil or whatever it is that they need. And that that would all be taken care of by us giving our first and our best. And so the people near us then would be ministered to and not neglected. And so God uses this first and best principle. He uses this principle of first fruits in the lives of Christians to care for those who are most in need so that there's something available in our benevolent fund, which you guys bless amazingly, by the way. It's available because people have decided to put that first ahead of their own needs. So we have a benevolent fund to care for people. And so God uses that principle to care for those in need. And finally, not finally, sorry, second last, sixthly, to have what we do reflect what God desires and not what we desire. In Luke 12, 34, Jesus expresses it this way. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so you think how, I'm thinking, how can God be using this principle of first fruits to affect our hearts? And by putting this in place in the people of Israel, and by putting this idea of of the first and the best going to God right at the very beginning... And then Jesus teaching that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's this lesson here that our money follows our hearts. That what we do with money reflects what we desire. But Jesus says, sell what you have, give to the needy. In other words, start putting your money where God's heart is so that your heart follows your treasure. And then your habits will start to reflect what God desires. And the principle here, like everything that's true, the Bible said it first, but there's actually a behavioral change approach. I don't know if any of you have heard about it. It's called the positive deviance principle. Okay, I looked it up, and uh, I, knew what it, I knew what it was before knowing what it was called. And this is what it states. I knew what it stated before I knew what it was called. It's called the positive deviance principle, which states, as one of its conditions, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. Right? You understand what I'm saying there? It's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. And what does Jesus say? He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to follow. Right? It's the positive deviance principle. It's what God established 6,000 years ago with the idea of first fruits. Sorry, 5,000 years ago with the idea of first fruits. Give your first and your best to God, and where's your heart going to go? It's going to go after your first and your best. And it will change your heart. It will change your thinking so that what we do and what we think and what our hearts are reflect God's heart. In other words, you put your actions in the right place, you put what you treasure in the right place, and your heart will follow it. 
And so God uses this principle of first and best. He uses this principle of first fruits in order to train our hearts and to lead our hearts to follow what God desires. And then finally, the seventh way that God uses it, and I'm sure there's hundreds more, but the seventh way that I could figure out that God uses first fruits is to place our affections more firmly in God and to loosen our grasp on the world. Matthew 6, 24 says, You cannot serve both God and money. And you may remember this from late November, or it might have been early December. It was one of the points from our 40 days of community. The generosity of our time and our attention and our money, the giving of what is we have to God, is the antidote for materialism and selfishness. As we get in this habit of giving our first and best of our money, of our time, of our attention, of our energy, as we cultivate this habit, this practice that God has given of first and best, then it loosens our grasp on the world and our affections change from the world towards God. Because you cannot serve both God and money. He doesn't say it's hard to serve both God and money. It says you cannot serve both God and money. And so the seventh thing that I had, that idea that I had that God uses this principle for, the seventh thing that God uses it for is to loosen our grasp on the world so that we fix our affections more firmly on God. So that's seven things I could come up with. If we were to follow the practice of first fruits that God put in place for his people and that Jesus affirmed and that, that Paul and James and everybody else agreed with that god is never just doing one thing he's doing these seven things at least and i think he's probably doing a hundred other things on this one simple principle if we just did one thing this year just one principle to follow just put god first and best in every part of our life and all these other things would start to happen because god's not stupid he gave israel this principle for a reason he gives us this principle for a reason to transform us more and more into Christ's likeness. So I'll just restate it again, all those seven points I went through. If we could begin to practice as a church the idea of giving God our first and our best in our lives, and we followed through with this in some way in 2015, let me restate it. We would glorify God more and ourselves less. And we would trust God more and trust ourselves less. And we would see the kingdom of God advance far more greatly than we see our own kingdom advance. And we would see people near us ministered to and not neglected. And we would see that the things that we desire more accurately reflect the same things that God desires. And we would loosen our grasp on the world and we would fix our affections more firmly on God. I believe all of those things would happen if we just really got a hold of this idea of the first and best for God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this teaching. I thank you at the beginning of the year we can look to your word and find wisdom that runs deep. That we can, we can take something out of 66 books and 32,000 verses and just one idea, one principle of the first and best going to you And just unpack all the things that you are doing in our heart and in our life and in our church and in your kingdom just on that one thing. And so, Lord, I would pray that that would stick with us this year in 2015. That we would take this principle of first and best to God and just try it out. Just try it even for a month. First of the paycheck, first of the time, first of our energy, first of the ministry, first to God. And just see how it doesn't start to accomplish all the things that you desire in our lives.
You are a good God. You give us good principles and good instructions for good reasons. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.